So let's get right into it, Calvin. When you saw the squad that Patrick Vieira had selected for Sunday's game in Toronto, what was the immediate gut reaction? I was somewhat surprised. Uh, I wasn't surprised about the five-man back line. I wasn't even surprised to see Johansson in goal. But I was really surprised to see a starting midfield of Mikey Lopez and Federico Bravo alongside Andoni Ariola. That was that was very surprising to me. I don't think that that particular trio had shared the midfield duties together at any point this year. Do you remember a time when they when when they had at all? I can't. No, I know Bravo and. Lopez played a few games together in the starting lineup with Pirlo, but um, once uh, Bravo had got like a red card suspension, Iriola came in and unseated him basically as the uh, starting defensive midfielder, and that was the end of that. But I don't think all three of them have ever started in a game together, and I don't think any of us would have expected that because when you put those three midfielders together, the first thing you ask is, where's the creative playmaking, right? And and even more so, where is just the overall style that got this team to this to this uh, this stage to begin with? Yeah. I and then to go on and have Tommy McNamara unused on the bench, uh, only thirty yeah. minutes out of. Frank Lampard, it just, it seemed to me that Vieira was playing for a draw, which, considering how good the team has been at Yankee Stadium, eight games undefeated in a row, that's, maybe there's a a way to defend that decision-making, but Mm -hmm. we hadn't seen this team play a kind of grind-it-out style really at all this year and then the first time we see it is in the most important game in team history I, is there is there like can, can you uh, put yourself in Vieira's shoes at all and, and find some virtue in, in the squad that he selected believe it or not I actually can uh, I thought a, long, a lot about this thought about it long and hard and I do see the case in justifying Vieira's selection one we knew at the time, well, right before the game started, we found out that, you know, Pirlo was sidelined with a, with a calf injury. So Pirlo's exclusion, not surprising to anyone. Um, we do know that the Mendoza via Harrison trio had shown a bit of life and looked pretty good last couple games before going into this one. And then, you know, week after week, 
Vieira has preached that he's always going to start the 11 guys that impressed him most in training that week. And we know Pirlo was sidelined, and we know Lampard was still coming off his injury. So there is a world where you could say Vieira looked at training and said, you know what? These are the 11 guys who have shown me they're ready to go on Sunday, and this is who I'm going with. And that's that's the best way I can explain it. He's preached that all year long, that every spot is a challenge, and he's st- strived to make that be the, tr- be the case, that no one's guaranteed a starting spot. So when you look at it through that prism, you can say, okay, well, I guess these were the guys that, that stood out the most to him. That, that's kind of all I got, though. And I don't, I don't think that's a... Uh a bad way to look at it at all. I mean, there there are virtues to be to be found in the idea of believing in your players and giving them that big playoff stage. Looking at a guy like Mikey Lopez in the eyes, looking at a guy like Federico Bravo in the eyes, and saying, "All right, I I'm believing in you to do this. I believe that you can do this. Go out there." So, so go out there and get it done. It's like I've, I've, I've seen you do it over at SUNY Purchase on the training pitch. It's like I, you're you're my guy tonight. And, and the, just to know that you've got someone like Patrick Vieira showing that kind of faith in you. I mean, obviously it didn't work out the way that he intended. Um, but you like the fact that he is that he is showing love and showing trust in some of these guys that that hadn't uh, hadn't played so consistently. Of late, what I can't shake though is the idea that it's it's the most important game in team history when when this bit of experimentation yeah. is happening. I mean, and some of his experimenting throughout the year has produced some of the best results. I mean, it it was an experiment to move Iriola to a number six midfield position. Sure, um, who had, the guy who played right fullback his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um. But then there are other times when keeping it real goes wrong, like the three-two-two-three WM formation. That was it was something to talk about, and it was a curiosity, and it was fascinating. But it didn't really produce many good results. I mean, he basically only used that formation at home uh, in the earlier parts of the season, and that was also when the team was blowing leads at home and yeah. Draws turned into losses and, and wins turned into draws. You think about the Orlando game. You think about uh, the Montreal game. Um, yeah. So, on balance, I would say I like the the uh, experimental sort of uh, bucking tradition type uh, nature, the fearlessness even of, of Vieira to try these things. Um, it's just so disappointing because th- this this was a team that all year long has been of the mind well of, oh, you guys are going to score two or three goals? That's fine. We'll score three or four. Um, yeah. And that was, by design, that could not have been the style of play on Sunday. And and uh, to me, I think it's lucky that New York City didn't didn't concede more than they did. I mean, Johansson really came through in a couple of moments against Giovinco that could have gone south. He definitely did. Um, he really... Uh, he really paid off of Vera's trust in starting him again in a big game like this and it's kind of what a lot of NYCFC fans have been hoping for to see him in goal to see what he has I mean me personally I, I, I've been wait, waiting for this I thought he 
had a chance to do it if he, if he got the shot. And he, he really showed himself pretty well. He showed a lot of uh, skills. He was aggressive in the box, and he really used that, that big 6-7 frame to, to kind of be a threat and uh, make people think twice before they fired a shot into goal. Of all the things that didn't go right in that game, uh, I don't think you can really fault Johansson for very much. I mean, it's it's like uh, it's like blaming a kicker in an NFL game. It's like, oh, he missed it. He missed a field goal at the end that could have sent it to overtime. Well, why was he even in that position of of needing to win the game? The whole rest of the team couldn't couldn't take care of business. Um, yeah. In terms of Johansson, do you think Son- Josh Saunders has made his last start? For New York City FC, period. I think so. I, you know, who knows what happens Sunday, and you know, seasons on the line. Maybe Vera feels the need to put Saunders back in goal. But like you said, uh, I don't think anyone, Vera included, is looking at that game as a failure on Johansson's part. I mean, even the game, the two goals that were scored were basically like rebounds off of his efforts. You know, he he did his best in there, and uh, his teammates kind of let him down on both those goals. And now, looking forward to Sunday, I'm curious. Because we're certainly not going to see the the same starting eleven that we saw uh, in Toronto. I think that's safe to say for various reasons. Yeah. But do you anticipate seeing uh, just a, a return to a more attacking four three three, or do you think that we might see that three center backs and then Matarita and and Allen on the outside as wingbacks like we did in the final regular season game against Columbus. Do you have an inkling about that? I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to say that Vieira's going to put out a fluid 11. And what I mean by that is he kind of did the same thing in Toronto. On paper, it was a 4-3-3 with uh, Bravo, Mikey Lopez and Ariola in the midfield. But as you notice how the game played out, Ariola kept dropping back in between the two center backs, much like he did against Columbus, where he was set in that five-man back line. Right. And I think Vieira really likes that option a lot of where he can have a number six who can move up into the midfield, into the center of the pitch, and paint passes, but also drop back and and kind of sturdy the back line so to speak and um and, you know and Ariel is his man for that he he's he, his skill set has lent itself to play that way um more than anyone would have expected I think the real difference will be who we see in the midfield along with Ariola. Like you said, I, I don't expect to see that same starting eleven. I don't expect him to pair Mikey Lopez and Bravo together again in the midfield. If for no other reason they're just too similar. Um, I mean, we basically had three guys doing the, filling the same role in Toronto, playing that defensive uh, midfield role, and he's gonna want a, he's gonna want a lot more creativity just because of the two hole two zero hole that the team's in. So I think what, what the main change will be will be those two midfield spots. Pirlo still looks sidelined, but. I think we're going to see Lampard starting, and maybe we might even see Tommy Mack starting in midfield as well. I think you could do a lot worse than that. Uh, you got to score goals, and, and it's like, like you mentioned at the beginning, just you need to have the creativity because otherwise, 
Nobody's really eating up much space. Nobody's able to play the ball. And David Villa ends up on an island. And mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than Villa getting more and more frustrated because he he can't hide it in his body language. I mean, he's, he, he sulks. And, and that's just a function of how crazy of a competitor he is. He wants it so bad when he feels like things are incoherent. I mean, he starts to to look in his in his face like he's like he's feeling down. You can't let that set in for even a second because you have so much ground to make up. But yeah. I and but uh in terms of the way you're you're looking at the midfield, you can do a lot worse. I think at this point Vieira has basically decided that uh McNamara um even when he had been lined up as a left winger ended up being the kind of secret number 10 anyway. He mm-hmm. he's not he's much less of a crosser than a than a um a, a guy who's who's going to pinch inside. So whether it's Mendoza or Shelton getting the start because that's clearly the platoon. It's it's either one or the other and then the the other will be the super sub. Um and then Harrison on the outside. I mean you need that athleticism on the wings. Um you could do a lot worse than Putting Iraola back there in the in the deep midfield with uh, with Lampard and McNamara. I mean, you you got to go balls to the wall. You have to go score. You have to go get the first goal. Really, if you don't get that first goal, uh, it's it's going to feel like curtains. What I'm curious about though is is where Pirlo fits in, and that's that's got to be the biggest wild card here because we just don't really know his status, and it it just seems so strange the timing of the announcement that he had tightness in his calf uh, by all accounts he had been training without incident during the week um and we we've, we've received so, relatively little uh updates about his status it's just more like this this sheepish messaging from Vieira and others about well you know we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see how he feels before the game basically um it makes it that much more tantalizing but uh I wonder if Vieira already has his squad totally figured out, or if so much of this is still contingent on on how on how uh, Pirlo is is feeling. Do you think there's any chance that Pirlo starts this game? Like any chance I, at all? I I really don't know. I mean, last I saw on Empire of Soccer, they were talking about the MRI they had on him and how there were some concerns in there. So just the fact that we're talking about him getting an MRI for this injury is not the best of ways you want to start off the conversation. Yeah, what a, what a time for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and I get what you're saying about, you know, the injury coming out of nowhere. I mean, but this is something that NYCFC has still not learned how to really handle with the fan base, with the media, in terms of how much they divulge in terms of injuries. I mean, look at the Frank Lampard situation. Oh, boy. You know, everybody thought he just had, like, a little calf tweak, and then it was three months later, and then they finally showed that Road to Recovery video, and then you finally realized, wow, this guy had a really serious injury, but no one ever told you that it was that bad. Yeah, So that's a great video they made, by the way. It is, it is. Um, so having that in mind and, you know, just thinking of Pirlo's age and experience and the amount of miles he has on his body and, you know, the fact that 
the temperature might be a little cooler than than expected for him and to come back with a muscle injury I, I just don't know I and then if you're not starting him I wouldn't say he's an impact sub that you would bring on later it's not like Lampard who will make a late run late in the game and put it in, put in the back of the net Pirlo's one of those guys he's a rhythm guy he pings you know diagonals and long passes that's that's not something you, you necessarily want to bring in, in with 30 minutes left in the game and that's a really good point, Calvin, that uh, for all of the things that Pirlo can do that are just mesmerizing, I mean, he can do things that basically nobody else can do, certainly if you look at the, the context of MLS in particular, but there's nothing about him that uh, would have you fancying him as a, a super sub, uh, certainly not the way that this, this team plays tactically. I mean, so you're, you're going to take, take somebody off and put Pirlo on what distinct advantage are you getting there in a game where you know that you you have to go score score score? Um, yeah. It, so that's 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 disappointing, and I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's it's the right way to look at it. Um, yeah. I uh, I do want to talk about though if if this game the odds are against New York City, but miracles can and do happen. I mean, if, uh, as I. I <laughs> I just said on our our Facebook Live, if the Cubs can do it, <laughs> then it's oh, it's within the realm of possibility. That I oh my god, I I I felt a little foggy when I woke up this morning, but I'm glad that I stuck it out for that whole game. Oh my god, right? Um, I mean, it was it was amazing, you but, know. And yeah. if you know if, if the boys in blue could work a, a little bit of that, you know, maybe some extra time magic, well, you know, what a win that would be, you know, in Yankee Stadium. I could go for a lead-off home run, something like that. <laughs> Let's get some some Dexter Fowler action happening. But uh, if if it does come to pass that Sunday's game at Yankee Stadium is the last game uh, that New York City FC plays this year, and then they're done, what are you going to remember most? What are you going to take with you into the off season? Uh, taking a a step back and kind of evaluating the ups and downs of the year, certainly compared to last season, couldn't have been more different. What will you be taking with you uh, into the off season in terms of what you've experienced, what you've learned, just uh, following the team this season? Yeah, I think first and foremost, even if you know this Sunday is is the last game of the season and Toronto moves forward in the playoffs, I'm gonna take the biggest thing I'm gonna take away from this season is that. Patrick Vieira is the man for the job. I, you know, there was a lot of questions coming into the season. You know, all the cliches about European managers came to the forefront. People kept saying, oh, he doesn't know this league. He doesn't know this country. He doesn't know the travel. Well, how's he going to do any of this? And, and Vieira just basically shut up all of those questions. You know, he, he coached a really good team. He coached a really great style it's not a style you see many coaches play in mls and he was a man that put his ideas or the principles or what this team should be before any one game's result and you could even say that happened last sunday in the playoffs he was willing to stick to his principles even if it was not going to guarantee the results many of many wanted and just looking forward you can actually have some hope. 
you don't have to worry about, well, we need this player or that player because we stink. No, we can say, well, Vera's put in his system. We know he can maximize talent. Now let's see what he does with even an, another year with these same guys instilling the techniques and principles he's been instilling this season. He really has panned out as, as good as any reasonable expectation uh, could have had him doing. I was among the skeptics who looked at Vieira and just didn't really know what to think either way. He had never coached a senior team before. He obviously is very astute about the game, incredibly well-respected, and had crossed paths and and, and played under um, a bunch of really great managers in his career as a player, uh, and very, very much a part of the Manchester City setup, which really is like kind of the Barcelona setup, you know, playing out from the back, Ferran Soriano and Jiki Bagaristan. There were just, there were so many questions about how this would translate specifically with the restrictions of MLS. And I really do feel like there was no reasonable expectation that it could be better than this. And to to go get the second seed in the East, Mm -hmm. only a, a few months removed, honestly, from a team that was relying heavily on Mick Discarud and Ned Grabovoy that uh, was completely lost in defense, that couldn't get um, consistent performances out of Lampard and Pirlo. You use the word hope, Calvin, and I remember feeling hopeful after last year, you know, losing at home in the regular season finale against New England, knowing that the playoffs were already out of reach. I, I remember feeling very hopeful about the team's future then, but it was, it was just, it, it was like emotional, you know, uh, supporter hope that wasn't necessarily grounded in anything mm. so concrete. It's like, well, I hope we can build around David Villa. I hope that uh, right. our best players are healthier than they were. I hope that our defense gets better. But I didn't have any reason to be that hopeful other than the fact that this is my team that I support. Yeah. Now the hope is is so much more dynamic because we can point to these things directly. We can identify these concrete things that we can be tangibly uh, excited about. And the way I see it, um, the 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 future is bright because the present is is pretty bright. Yeah, uh, totally agree. And then when you look what he's able to. Be- what he's been able to do with some of the players on this roster. I mean, it's not just that he's brought in, you know, South American or European talent. Look at what he's done with the American talent on this team, too. He took a guy like Mikey Lopez, who who couldn't even get on the 18 at Sporting KC. And he was a significant contributor for this team this year. You know, whether you like his game or not, the fact is he put in quality minutes for this team. And that's not something anybody expected when he was acquired. Look at uh, you know, look how R.J. Allen has continued to grow in this system. Look what look what Tommy McNamara has been in yep. the system. You and know, I had no feeling that Kyrie Shelton was going to make as big of a leap from last year to this year uh, that he did either. And you have to think that Vieira believing in him and pushing him and, and putting him in just the right positions, literally and figuratively, to succeed. I mean, it's uh, th- this is all of a piece that's kind of telling the the same story and I think we we ought to feel pretty lucky that 
the team and the organization was able to to shake off so much of that stench from last year where nothing ever felt quite right, even when the team had been able to produce some results. Uh, the leap from, from year one to year two, I, I, again, I just I don't think we could have reasonably uh, expected it to have to have played out better than this you know and e- even if uh, the team can't can't climb out of the hole and and uh, move on to the Eastern Conference Finals um, my feeling about guys like the un- the unsung hero type players um, I'm, I'm with you on that in terms of RJ Allen you know becoming an assist man in terms of um, yeah, Mikey Lopez floundering in uh, what was it OKC Energy last year. There's something about I mean I don't it's it's crass maybe but like Vieira, he clearly has this intangible essence about him that Jason Christ just didn't have. That's apart from just the X's and O's, mm. um, and maybe it's as simple as just getting guys to to believe in you and buy in. But I mean, in in terms of just tactics and, and squad selection, Jason Christ is is about as good as they come in the league. But and and just especially with the guys that you mentioned, um, the it, all of that it, it feels like such a function of what Vera has brought to the team, which at the end of the day I think is just like this incredible sense of calm. Mm-hmm. The guys that he loves. It, it, it seems it seems to be like these are the guys that are just like so calm and he's spoken about it when you look at Iraola, when you look at Maxime Chanot and also Johansson. I, I remember them saying on the Fox Sports broadcast last week, they, they quoted Vieira saying something along the lines of one of the things that I like most about Johansson is that he he's just like such a calm personality and that translates on the field certainly when you're playing the ball straight up from the back there's nothing more important than that I mean if you're skittish with the ball at your feet and we've seen some of the defenders on the team who are that it's 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 strange to think how how much just the sense of calmness and tranquility uh, is is part of Vieira's bread and butter that might be the biggest difference between last year and this year really yeah, I think I agree with you. And even when you look at just like certain players, like like you were talking about Kyrie Shelton, you know. And I had wrote that that piece about Kyrie Shelton a, a month or so ago. Yeah, you're the Shelton was, whisperer, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I was and I was writing that piece, and I was saying, you know, well, yeah, he can be a, a good wide player, maybe even like a wing back or something, until he, you know, he learns how to finish. And then he followed. He heard. I guess he heard what I said, and then said, you know what? Here's a here's a targets man header in the back of net, and then let me put this clinical, you know, one time touch across my right foot in the back of goal against Columbus. That was slick, yeah. It, it was, and if he can finish like that, I mean, look out, you know? That that was kind of the missing piece there with him. But even in those two plays, you notice a player that's not rushing anymore. He's not rushing the play. You know, last year watching him, you saw all these tools, all the skills, but then you see him kind of like, you know, rush that, that, that shot. To, towards goal, you know, not not really uh, make the the best move, just kind of do what came first. And and now, you know, he, he has a different confidence this year. 
you know the way you know he puts passes through the way he takes shots it's you know it, he and he's it had, he didn't start out the season that way but he's gained it as the season's progressed you know and McNamara you know he he's been able to just pick out a pass or pick out a shot whenever he needs to it seems and I know he know he no doubt has learned a lot of that from Fiera but also you know just getting another season playing with Pirlo and Lampard and Villa and just you know interacting with those guys and I think the thing that brings the confidence up most from Vera to these guys is and this is this is the thing that brings the most consternation to the fan base but I think the idea of playing out at the back has instilled this confidence in this team because you know these were not all you know 25 guys that had that in their in their skill set I would say at least half the team you would not associate with guys who could play out of the back. I would think, you agree? Yeah, uh, I think you're right. And there certainly is something to the idea of this very well-defined sense of order mm-hmm. in, in that style. And yeah. what we saw, unfortunately, is that Toronto was sniffing that out and mm-hmm. basically forcing... New York City to boot it, which is funny because that's always what Saunders wants to do is just boot it rather than than lay off these these uh, very orderly short passes step by step. Yeah. So it's it'll be one of the main things to watch going into Sunday um, on a different field, different dimensions, presumably a, a different lineup. Um, if if Toronto continues to try to take that away as much as possible or if they're content to basically sit back with I don't know six defenders <laughs> or whatever right. it is that they come out with and just dares New York City to to beat them in a, in a slugfest um, but right. it's it's so in keeping with Vieira's character and thank goodness that he was able to go find someone like Cheno he was able to figure out oh, yeah. that that Iraola was amenable to being this defensive mid or almost like this sweeper type guy who could drop back deep or even deeper. And all it says to me is that even with the the limitations of the roster in terms of injuries, in terms of only being one year removed from uh, a kind of retrofitted expansion team, there is such a coherent plan in place there's a, that there's a foundation to build upon. The foundation, besides, oh, you got three world-famous DPs, like, that was kind of the essence of the foundation last year. It's like, well, if we got mm-hmm. these three guys who are world-class, surely we'll be able to win games. Surely we'll be able to find people to put around them. It's just this incredible, incredibly carefully defined, deliberately defined sense of order that's got me feeling pretty excited about uh, about the future we put in a, a good half hour shift here, Calvin, and, and sure. I'm glad we could make this happen this evening on the Spherical Podcast. But uh, I gotta, I gotta put you on the spot. How do you, how do you see Sunday's game playing out, man? Uh, look into that crystal ball. What, what do you see happening? Well, I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put out the score that needs to happen in order for the team to move on. So I'm gonna say four-one New York City. Hell yeah! <laughs> That's. It really can happen. You hang five goals on the best defending team in the league in uh, in Colorado. If you can do that, if you can do that even without David Villa to boot, uh, 
this this is something that can happen. Four one. That's the most beautiful thing I've heard all day, Calvin. I love that. <laughs> I mean, Yankee Stadium has hosted some Gold Fest in the last two years, so why not one more to keep us going in this playoff run? And if you if you can't get jacked up for this game, you know, as a as a player, as a coach, as a member of the training staff, if if this incredible sense of urgency the likes of which have not been felt in the short history of this team for obvious reasons um, if all that doesn't get you jacked up as hell to run out there on Sunday um, and try to make a banger out of it uh, I, I don't know what, what could get you jacked up I mean, there's, there's going to be no lack of incentive and no lack of urgency for these guys to, to get out there and first of all bag the first goal and then after that, you you start to feel like anything is possible. If they can go out there and score, let's say just in in the first half hour, one nil, the sense of belief that will I think immediately set in. We're going to hear the "Come on New York" chant nonstop all game long, regardless. Uh, but I think all it takes is that is that one strike. You know, maybe it's off a rebound. Maybe it's off a. Wouldn't it be great to to actually win an aerial battle for once and, and head one home? <laughs> the sense of optimism will will be explosive and just so so looking forward to that game. Personally, I I feel like the odds are pretty solid in my mind that New York City will will produce a winning result, but I I don't I I'm not confident in saying that they'll be able to produce the winning margin that they need to advance. Mm, but at the yeah. very least, if you can get a win, even if it means that you lose on aggregate, just get a win to close out the year, I think you can kind of smile earnestly and, and walk out of that stadium feeling okay, even with uh, the the disappointment of last week and, and the hole that that put them in. Uh, I would yeah. I would almost be somewhat satisfied with a win, even if it means that they're not going forward, because it's as almost just like a... Uh, a glimpse toward uh, what next year can can really be. Yeah, I mean, we we have to remember this is the team's first ever playoff run. This is their first taste at the playoffs. This is Vieira's first year ever in MLS. So we have to factor those things in and be be a little big picture in this. But at the same time, as fans, we want to see that win. And you know, I me personally, you're saying you want the win. I, just, I want to see them put some, some goals in the back of the net. I don't want them going two legs without scoring a goal, you know? I don't want to see no nil-nil draw this weekend. Yeah, I none of that. Goal, I want to see goals scored. And I'm calling right now, Jack Harrison opening goal. Woo! All right. That's, oh, man. That's, I love that. Uh, wouldn't, I mean, just, we need we need a sense of youthful jubilation to, to get things going. I think that would be, there would be something poetic about that indeed. Yeah, and I mean, he, he's come up big so many times this season. And, you know, he's been one of those guys where it seems like the, when the team's back against, backs are against the wall, he, he kind of just pulls something out because he has that youthful naivete and he doesn't care. And we'll be watching for that and more this Sunday evening at 6.30 in the Bronx. Looking forward to being in the supporter section and hopefully having more than a little bit of of beer or bottled water spilled on me due to jubilant celebrations from the many, many goals that will be dumped liberally um, in uh, in the evening time on Sunday. Listen, Calvin, this has been great. Uh, 
we uh, we appreciate your analysis and your uh, your uh, your words on the pages of HudsonRiverBlue.com. I thank you for taking the time to do this again with us, and there'll be lots more uh, lots more, of course, to come. Whether New York City is playing more soccer or we make our way into the off season, uh, th- this is exactly what we need to uh, to get ourselves in tune for Sunday's game. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks again, Sam, as always.